Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Montgomery. Welcome to the Brass Ball Academy. So I am calling this series the Brass Ball Academy because I got a chance to work with a former coworker that I worked with at a big four. Recently, we were working with a mutual client and she said, you're nothing like you used to be. I went through quite a transformation the last five years. I knew that I was different, but it was really nice that somebody else saw my transformation. And she said, you have grown a set of brass balls that I wish that I had. And what she meant by that was not putting up with crap. (laughs) I just don't, I lay it all on the table. I'm very direct and I don't put up with crap. And I want to give you some pointers today on how you can start to grow yourself a set of brass balls yourself. And I'm going to share a little bit of my journey, the process that I went through. I wouldn't say that the exercises in themselves were difficult. However, my own inner journey and the things I had to overcome were difficult. And this is not for somebody that wants an easy button, that isn't willing to make the hard decisions in life. Because sometimes you have to make hard decisions in order for you to take your life to the next level. And not everybody is meant to go with you where you're called to go. So I started my transformation about five years ago. I was extremely sick. There's a lot of people that are like me that I have met on my podcast and in other areas that are in a permanent state of fight or flight. And you grew up probably in a very non-emotional environment and you've been in survival mode and you have been an overachiever, in some cases an underachiever, maybe a little bit of balance of both. And the result is usually you get immune system issues and you end up getting all these different sicknesses for whatever reason. And at the core of it, it's usually there's systemic candida that's in your system, which basically wipes out your immune system. So you start to get all this other stuff. And that was what was happening to me. And the thing is, is there's no test for systemic candida. You can't just go to the doctor. They don't know enough, right? Cause it's like nutrition, psychology, all this kind of stuff. And They're getting better at it, but they're just not quite there yet. So I would go to the doctor and all these different things and these health issues. And I was getting like these autoimmune issues, psoriasis, just all kinds of stuff. And my, I lost about 90% of my hearing. I didn't know it, but my ears were filling up with candida. I got leaky gut and all of my food was flowing into my body. I didn't know why any of this was happening to me. I thought maybe it was antibiotics I took, all this kind of stuff. The reason why it happened to me was a combo. Like many others that have been on my podcast, you have worked at a big four that is full of toxicity and really intense and you probably have gone through a whole load of crap while you worked there and you've endured a lot. I worked there for seven years and so definitely had to go through quite a bit of crap and deal with a lot of toxic individuals. And that's just the reality. But in addition to it, the reason why I put up with all of it was I was raised in a toxic environment. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't know that an unemotional environment was toxic. And whenever you hear somebody say, I'm not an unemotional person, or I grew up in a non-emotional environment, That's a toxic environment. And let me explain to you why, just with that term alone. Now, it could be a lot of reasons why it was a non-emotional environment. Could be that your parents were alcoholics. Could be that your parents had mental health issues. Could be 
that they just had something else going on and you didn't get the emotional nurturing that you needed. But what happens from the age one to five is if you don't get that nurturing, either you don't end up developing the emotions of empathy and compassion. They're like muscles. So you literally don't develop the emotions. Now they're in there, but they're not developed because you didn't get it, right? Or because you were born maybe just a little bit more empathetic and just a different type of personality, you end up going the other extreme where you end up being a, an empath where you feel everybody's emotions and you feel on steroids and that's your survival mechanism and you end up um, still feeling in both cases extremely empty, no self-esteem, you don't know who you are and you go through life either overachieving to try to be good enough or underachieving for people to save you out of stuff so that you feel loved. And this is really the epidemic that we're in right now as a society. There's a lot of people that have experienced this. And when we're talking about toxicity, we're talking about a lot of, we use the word narcissistic abuse a lot or narcissistic personality disorder, which is really hard to diagnose. Narcissists don't typically go into a psychologist's office to get diagnosed, so you're not going to get that. And, you know, there could be a lot of reasons why it's it's the exact same thing as being raised by narcissists. So, for example, having parents that, were, that have substance abuse, it's identical if your parents were narcissists because you turn into a narcissist when you start to use alcohol and drugs. There's just a lot of different things. But if you just even focus on the non-emotional, the non-emotional, that is key. And a lot of people say, oh, my family's close, all this kind of stuff. Most families, even in toxic families, are close and they do tons of events together. A lot of, at least from the external point of view, it looks like you're just this tight niche family, but inside there's a whole lot of terror going on, a whole lot of stuff going on because appearance is more important than what's what how things feel when it comes to growing up in an environment like that. So I really was clueless. I'm a healed empath now. I used to be extreme empath in the sense of overgiving, no boundaries, and I felt that I was really getting my needs met by overgiving to other people. And that's how I felt love. The more I gave to other people, the more love I felt. And I wasn't doing it. I didn't know that I wasn't doing it this way, but I wasn't doing it out of just a healthy compassion. It was more like, I have to help you. <laughs> and so it's really interesting, the process that I went through. So let me tell you a little bit about my story. About five years ago, I got really sick and I didn't know why I was getting sick. And finally, through a series of events and encounters with my mother and me just realizing some of the things that she was saying to me, the actions that she was saying, she came to me one day and she's like, I think your sister's a narcissist. I had actually, my mom had come to me talking to me about my sister and I was just didn't want to hear about my sister. We've never had a relationship. We don't know each other at all. And my sister spent most of her life just doing smear campaigns behind my back, which I didn't know what that was. And I didn't even know she was doing it for many years, but she spent most of her life just causing havoc for me in all areas of life, lying to people behind my back. That was her MO and she still does it to this day as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I went no contact with her before I moved to Texas in 2012 and I had enough of me sitting there helping her with her resume, helping her get out of her situation I was saving her out of, like I used to always do with people. And uh, meanwhile, she's calling my mother and bad-mouthing me. 
And at that point, I was like, have a nice life. I was done with the abuse that my sister gave to me. And so I was like, what's a narcissist? So I went over to Pinterest and I started to Google and I saw everything that my family had ever said to me, all the abuse statements that never happened. You're being too emotional. It's always about you. Just all of these toxic statements that narcissists say. And my eyes just were wide open and I couldn't believe it. I finally had a name for the treatment that I was experiencing. And at the same time, I think it was actually on Pinterest, I found this book called Will I Ever Be Good Enough by Dr. Carol McBride. And in it has a recovery program. And I started to read that book. I got that book and I started to read it immediately. And I feel like I was just extremely blessed by it because I realized that it was the answer. I started to read through it and she starts the book and explains what it is to be raised in a toxic environment and what it looks like. Your parents are often jealous of you. They're going to compete with you, all of this kind of stuff. They're not necessarily super happy for you. And that was all happening to me. And there's just, she just goes on for chapters and chapters of what it's like. And then she takes you through a healing process. So I sent the book to my mom. I said, I'm taking responsibility. At that point, I didn't know if I was a narcissist or not. And I'm taking responsibility. This is the family issue and I'm going to go through healing. I was told in the book not to do that because if you confront somebody that has NPD, you will be attacked and projected upon and everything bad that they believe about themselves, they will say to you. And uh, my mother did that and I took screenshots of the text messages that she sent me because they were so extreme and I wanted to remember them and why I was going no contact. At that point, I decided to go no contact and I realized that if I didn't, that I was going to die. My health was so severe and I was so bad off from being in a permanent state of fight or flight and having these systemic issues from the anxiety and the CPTSD that I didn't know that I had. I was in constant flashbacks and I didn't know it. I spiritualized it all. I was a, a hot mess with the trauma. And I was barely staying on top of water, really, with all the trauma. And I was spent my life, I realize now, in disassociation. And I sent that to her and the response I got was textbook. And I thought, at this point, if she wants help, she can read the book. She can share it with her the family. And if not, then I'm going on my own journey. And it wasn't a discussion at that point to have because the very first step in healing is to accept that somebody, if they have show signs of NPD like that, they are not going to change. And you have got to accept these people that are dealing with this the way that they are. And you have to really realize that asking them to show compassion and empathy to you, like true emotional empathy and compassion, just sit with you in your emotions and feel for you and be about you or any of that kind of stuff is like asking them to tell you the colors of the rainbow and being blind. They can't do it. They do not have the ability to emotionally love. Now they're going to love in their own ways. They're going to love in a transactional way of what you do for them is basically what it comes down to. But I realized that in order for me to heal, I had to go no contact. At that time, I didn't know if it was going to be permanent or not. And I realized that after going through recovery and my recovery being so severe and me not realizing how bad off I really was, that it needed to be permanent. 
And when I went no contact, I started to go through withdrawals, massive withdrawals from really being addicted to abuse. And uh, I had tons of flashbacks, dark figures like attacking me. I now realize that that is a flashback. And I drank vodka to get through a lot of it, held myself, wrapped myself in a blanket in the bathroom at work a lot of times when I was going through flashbacks. Because as you go through this, first you go through withdrawals, and then you start to go through this healing process. You go through a grieving process because you have to accept them for who they are and you have to accept the loss that basically letting go of your family and uh, even though they're alive. And I'm no contact to this day with my entire family and I refuse to have a conversation with them about mental health because I don't think that they have the capacity. And nor is it a discussion to have because if they wanted to go through their own healing journey, they would have had the opportunity. I gave them the resource that I use to heal my life and they always have that. And that's their responsibility, not mine. I'm responsible for myself and for making the choices that I've made. And so after I went through all the withdrawals and all of this kind of stuff, started working on myself and Dr. Karen McBride, she has in her book, a number of exercises you can go through and to really to number one, heal your childhood. Okay. So if you didn't give the love and nurturing that you needed as a kid, it's your responsibility to give it to yourself and you have to learn how to give it to yourself. You've got to learn how to tap into the inner child inside of you and start giving your child what they never got. So it's not, oh, well, I didn't have very good childhood and now I just deal with it. No, you have to go back and actually give yourself that childhood. Give yourself the toys that you were promised that you were never given. Fulfill all of those. Anything that's lingering in your heart that you're bitter over, you've got to resolve. And you've got to start doing these activities that the little kid inside of you never got to do that they wanted to do. You've got to start being your own parent. And it's really this process of starting to establish your own parent inside of you. And as you do this, and as you start to take care of yourself and invest in your hobbies because you're a good parent to yourself and you're taking care of yourself and invest in the things that are going to bring healing to you, you begin to get an inner sort of a core confidence and reassurance. See, what used to happen to me because I couldn't make my own decisions in life and I didn't have the ability to regulate my own emotions because I wasn't taught that. I had to learn how to regulate my emotions. I had to learn how to process emotions and I had to learn how to then self-assure. So in my past, if somebody did something really mean to me, I would go to 10 people. That was mean, right? That was mean, right? That was mean. I call my mom. That was mean. This is what happened. It was mean, right? Because I didn't know because I was so gaslit most of my life of being abused and then being told that it wasn't anything, it wasn't bad, it never happened, whatever, that I didn't trust myself. And so I had to go through a process of establishing and trusting myself of when something, when I was being treated poorly. And so I established that and went through a process of doing that. And it's really important for, especially the overachievers to establish hobbies that don't feel like they're producing anything. Because what happens is if you are an overachiever, then it's very easy to become a workaholic and you're going after all these things to actually create some self-love 
that you never really get. And so it's really important to establish these hobbies that don't produce anything. They're not for anyone else to see. They're not related to what you do for a living, okay? So if you're a writer, you're not gonna go off and have a writing hobby. If you're an artist, you're not gonna go off and have an art hobby, right? This is something that nobody else is going to see. So maybe you're a writer, but you're now gonna play the violin. Maybe you are a runner, an athlete, and now you're gonna start doing art. So it's gonna be something that nobody else sees. And the reason why it's very important that nobody else sees it is that you learn to start giving yourself the recognition and the self-love that you never got. And this actually really was healing for me. Initially, when I started to go through this process, I was still in the grieving process, going through grieving and going through all these activities. And I just felt like they were all worthless. And I was constantly, my heart was aching and I didn't know what the point of doing any of it was. And at some point when I started to do my paintings, I started to really love my own art and that was good enough. And I started to give myself the love and the appreciation that I so desperately needed. And at that point, sort of a well broke of self-love inside of me. And that was a turning point for me. Now I was doing all these other activities as well, but that was a huge turning point for me. And it continues to be. And it's something that I have continued to use to just nurture my own self-love. And during this whole process and this journey was interesting. I went to a Tony Robbins UPW. It was my very first one. And I wouldn't want to mention him because he was really key in my healing. Um, so I learned that I have CPTSD. And, you know, when you have that, it what is that? It's complex PTSD. So it's worse than regular PTSD where you experience one event and it's super traumatic. CPTSD is multiple traumatic events. And part of the recovery process is, as well is to go through EMDR, which I did six months of. At some point, I'd like to go back and do some more. But that really helped my level of trauma that I was dealing with and helped me to get a breath, if you will. I was going to this one psychiatrist that sometimes she would go through these exercises with me and there would be a wound that was still open and I'd go home and those wounds were open and it, I didn't feel good. And she's like, if that ever happens, like you're supposed to call me so we can like close the wound. But instead what I did was I used NLP to erase the trauma. So if I had a specific trauma that was open and I was feeling it, because when you feel, when you have a flashback, a lot of time it's just emotion. Um, I used Tony Robbins exercise to, of how he teaches how to erase PTSD and use that to erase those. And basically it's like scratching a record. So then it just no longer had the emotional impact. And then I would go back to my psychiatrist and she's like, how did you heal yourself? <laughs> and she just didn't get it. The other thing that I started to do was rewire my brain with Tony Robbins priming. Now, the amazing thing about Tony Robbins priming is that it has all the things that psychology tells us, the neuroplasticity to rewire your brain and to take you from somebody that's living in trauma and having all this trauma to really rewiring it and having you focus on the things you should be focusing on, staying in the present, focusing on the good things, the positive things, the gratefulness and all of that and what you want to produce in your life and creating a, a wonderful, compelling future for yourself. 
and it has all the components to rewire your brain and get rid of the CPTSD really. And so I was able to go through that and reverse the CPTSD. And I don't get black figures attacking me anymore or any of that kind of stuff, which I live with almost all of my life. And even like I was in churches and stuff and they were, when I was young and teenage years and they were all trying to, always trying to like cast demons out of me and stuff. And really I was having flashbacks of abuse and they didn't realize that's what that was. Now I don't know the spiritual connections to all of that stuff and I don't try to understand it. It's just, that's out of my pay grade. But I will say that I don't experience those things anymore unless I come in contact with a narcissist. If I come in contact with a narcissist, then typically I do have some sort of nightmare of that same type of demon type of a thing, black figure attacking me. It's really interesting. And so that brings me to this five years of going through transformation. I have learned who I was, learned how to love myself, establish hobbies, learn self-confidence. Because the more that you understand yourself, the more you love yourself, the more respect you have for yourself, the more confidence you start to have in your own abilities to be able to do things, to accomplish things, the less you need other people to give you the affirmations, to tell you that yes, you're, you're good enough because you already know you're good enough. And if they treat you like crap, you don't put up with it. You walk away. Sometimes it's difficult to figure out if somebody is, is, has toxic behavior, but I will say this, that you can identify toxic behavior with really two words, controlling and manipulation. So if you find that somebody is controlling or manipulative and they're nasty people, oftentimes they're mean, they're toxic. Oftentimes people will, if they're trying to use you, will be super nice to you talking high-pitched voices a lot. That's what they do a lot. Oh, and they're being fake. The high pitch, especially the women. And and it just comes across as really fake too. It's like too sweet. They're not honest. And they will try to sabotage you. They'll tell you to do one thing. You go do it. And they're like, I didn't say that. I didn't tell you to do that. They're gaslighting you. I don't put up with any of that type of crap, right? It's tell me what you want from me. And I will deliver for you, my best. If it's not good enough, guess what? I'm moving on. I don't play the games and I'm not gonna be controlled. And this is true in relationships, whether it be friendships, romantic, or otherwise business relationships, doesn't really matter. I will not interact and have any type of relationship with a toxic person. And people that don't have empathy, that don't have the ability to have empathy. Now I do realize that it is a spectrum disorder. So there are people that have a little bit of narcissism. Maybe they deal with a couple of things on the diagnosis board, if you will. They're not full on narcissist. And they're aware enough of like, they have some issues. And there's usually hope for them. They could go through the same program that I did. And I wanna mention that during that process, because it is a, a spectrum disorder, If you were raised in an environment like that, typically you deal with one to three of different traits that they use, psychiatrists use to diagnose somebody with NPD. And so when I went, I checked myself into a psychiatrist and was checked out and I know that I'm not a narcissist, but I have one trait and I felt like really the church that I was involved in, the churches that I was involved in fed into it realized it wasn't healthy for me. I also realized churches aren't healthy for me where I spent most of my life in churches, but 
not that church is bad, but most of, a lot of the churches are set up to be this, you're not good enough and you've got to achieve, you've got to do all these things, jump through all these hoops in order to be good enough. And that is equal to how a narcissistic home is. You're not good enough, you've got to meet all these standards and you're never going to reach the top. <laughs> And so I realized that that's not good for me to be a part of. But what would happen to me in these church meetings would, I'd get these words, oh, you're just going to be, this is big things going to happen to you just one day. You're just going to be so amazing and all this kind of stuff. And one of those traits is thinking that somehow some amazing thing, like you're special and you're better than everybody else in some way. And I had just had this I don't know, like this feeling that I was going to just heal the world one day because everyone else was telling me this. I was getting all of these like preachers speaking over me. Oh, you're called to heal the world and all that kind of stuff. And I realize now maybe my story will be healing to some people. But at the same time, I know that I'm no different than anybody else. There's no special light from heaven <laughs> shining on me. And I don't have any special calling or special purpose. I... And I feel like I see a lot of that manipulation online. And I'd say be aware of it because there's a lot of people that would use that type of language to try and control people because you're out there not feeling like you're good enough. You're feeling empty. And then you have somebody, oh, you're going to just be special one day and you're going to be this and that and the other thing. And it can really pull you in in a toxic way. And I wanted to mention this is that I realized that I was full of love and I healed myself because I got on a date and I went to this concert. This guy brought me this journey concert and they're just like, all of their music is just sad and emotional and all this kind of stuff. And so that used to really depress me. I couldn't even go to the grocery store without getting depressed by listening to music because I just felt empty. And I remember going and they started to play all this music and I was there with him and my former brother-in-law's best friend showed up out of the blue with him and his buddy so they were there with me but anyway they started playing these super sappy songs didn't affect me at all no no effect whatsoever because I was already totally full of love self-love and I looked at the guys around me and it really affected them I'm like oh boy they really need to go through what I went through and really transform themselves so all that to say this is the first podcast that I'm sharing this is the brass balls academy <laughs> and I hope that you appreciate it I hope that you appreciate my story and some of the things that I have walked through it's been a hard story for me to share for obvious reasons and I do feel though that there's a lot of people out there that have been raised in these environments that really if you had access to the right tools you could transform your life so the first step I would say is get Dr. Carol McBride's book will it ever be good enough and start taking yourself through that process and remember, the very first step in healing is to recognize that we can't change other people. We've got to accept them for who they are. And at the end of the day, we have to start to learn how to set our own boundaries and be willing to walk away and to respect ourselves enough to, to do so. And realize that you've got to decide what you're going to accept in your life, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, who you will work with and who you will not work with what relationships you will have and what relationships you won't have. What is your deal breakers? And that's a great start to growing yourself a set of brass balls. Thank you guys for seeing the podcast. And we'll see you next time.